0: Tender mercy, the true life has been my guide. And it is divine, his comfort, if I faith in him
1: to drown. For I know Um He's going to respond in prayer. He doesn't respond in fear or doubt. You know, the one thing I was thinking about is. um Many times when we find ourselves in a situation, we pray out, Lord, help me. Get me out of this situation. You know, get me out of this, Lord. Why have you done this, Lord? Why? You know, there's none of that in Elijah. He doesn't question God. He doesn't. What does he do? He prays for others. He prays for his servant, for this young man. And I love that. Look at verse 17. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God is for you. Who can be against you? My prayer is that your eyes would be open. This young man got brand new spiritual glasses, and in an instant, in a moment, he saw the chariots of fire. He saw all around them this army of angels guarding them and protecting them. I wonder if your eyes were opened, if our eyes were opened today to the spiritual realm, what would we do? Now, after we freaked out, (laughs) what would we do? Here's my guess. It would make us a more prayerful people. (laughs) What do you think? Lord, open our eyes. Here, let's let's see if it... uh, No, I'm just... Because it would. It would be a little scary at first, but it would make us a more prayerful people. But no, in this very room, in this very place, Right now, a battle rages. I can't. You should see the stuff that happens leading up to teachings like this. It's really, it's really uncanny how it just happens. I mean, even today, even the microphone stuff. One channel in our board that was for my microphone burnt out completely. Just what uh, we're trying to do. We've switched channels. All right, we roll with it. Stuff like that. Oh, it's just a coincidence, Pastor. Okay, hold on to that one. But if we could see, what would it make us do? I think we would be a prayerful, a mighty prayerful people. And remember this, you know, Ephesians chapter six, I covered this when I covered the whole armor of God and we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but you know, we're, we're told to put on the armor of God. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Remember what I said when we were teaching this, when I was going through this. If you can see them, they're not your enemy. Imagine that. If you can see them, they're not your enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, some people are stinkers. (laughs) We know that, right? And you can be one sometimes too. I mean, I don't know about me, but uh, (laughs) we might see the spiritual realm in just one second if I keep joking like that. No, we all, we can all be stinkers. We can all, you know, erupt and do stupid, dumb things. But remember this, we're not wrestling against people. We're wrestling against the enemies behind those people. Pray against those things. Pray for those people. When people are in a spiritual battle and they hurt you, pray for them. Don't Don't make it worse. Oh, I'm going to get them back. Don't get revenge. Pray. When people are going through heartache and pain, you've heard the saying, hurt people hurt people. When people are hurting, when people are going through stuff, you don't have any clue what they're going through. And so when they hurt you, what's the first thing? You just want to get revenge. No, that's not the battle we fight. Get on your knees. Pray for them. Do what you can to get out of the situation to control your own flesh. (laughs) But battle it in the spirit, not in the flesh. And so... As we dive into Daniel chapter 10, finally, understand there is a spiritual battle all around us. And I love this chapter in Second Kings because what it does is it gives us insight. We're privy to some of that. And if you go read that story out, it all ends okay. But it's really kind of a tough situation even after that. But God shows up in an amazing way and helps Elijah and helps Israel. And he'll do the same for us. And in Daniel chapter 10, we're going to see more of this. We're going to see more of this spiritual battle. But here's the thing. I want us to be those who seek the Lord like that young servant. I want us to be those who have eyes to see, who have spiritual glasses to see. And so we're going to see this this now. Daniel chapter 10 is the beginning of the end in more than one way. Number one, it's really what opens us up into chapter 11 and 12. This is the last vision of Daniel. We're going to get the insight of that today. But also all of the things that it's going to be talking about in these next three chapters, 10, 11, and 12, is all pertaining to prophecy and then the ultimate end of all things. And so that's what we're going to see. And so we know in the third year of Cyrus, the king king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, verse 1, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on, Verse 4, Now on the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with the gold of Euphaz. His body was like barrel, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Verse 7, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves Verse 8, therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision and no strength uh, remained in me. Remember this, Daniel is between 85 and 87 years old at this point. So yeah, no strength remained in him. Just understand what this man is going through right now. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I uh, retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. This is really powerful when you understand what's being said here. So what is Daniel seeing in this very first portion of chapter 10? I think it's clear to me, but we'll talk about that. But notice this, he's in mourning, and he's fasting again. Now it's not a complete fast, it's a partial fast. He's going without most foods, most likely at his age and everything, he was probably doing the responsible thing. He knew he was in this for the long haul, so he's probably eating very small morsels of food, of not the fine foods. And if you notice here, he doesn't eat any of the pleasant food, none of the meat, none of the wine. And I just want to say this, for those who, who fall for the Daniel diet thing, back in chapter one we saw Daniel, he rejected the king's food. Because it was sacrificed to idols and it wasn't kosher. Okay? And so what did he eat? He ate vegetables and water. And there have been books sold in the church and everything about the Daniel diet and all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, chapter 10 will burst your bubble. Because obviously Daniel was then eating meat and drinking wine and having other foods. And so which diet of Daniel's are you going to hold to? Because you can't go without something if you haven't been eating it, right? So Daniel does this, though. And he's in mourning. And most likely, we don't know exactly why he's in mourning, but some of it has to do with the previous prophecies we've looked at. He knows there's a difficult future ahead for Israel, even after the exile. And not only that, we're now two years in. This is the third year of the reign of King Cyrus. The first year of the reign of King Cyrus in Ezra chapter 1, it tells us that's when he sent the captives back. And in Ezra chapter 2, part of the reason Daniel is probably really heartbroken and mourning and praying for Israel is we know, and if you go look at Ezra chapter 2, it gives you the whole list, but I did the math for you. 49,697 captives, exiles, went back to Israel. That's a small portion of who could have went, not even a fourth. And so most of the people just chose to stay in Babylon where they were comfortable. But even those who went back to the land, we know they were struggling. They were having a hard time. Rebuilding the temple, rebuilding and getting things settled. And so Daniel is no doubt mourning. That's part of why he's probably in mourning. But notice this. He is, he's doing this fast. He's praying. He's seeking the Lord. And for 21 days, he does it. look at verse 5 and 6. For 21 days, he's doing this and says, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of euphaz. That means that that was like the the most expensive, most uh, pure gold of the day. Verse 6, his body was like beryl. Beryl is like a translucent gold. It's like this beautiful translucent gold. His face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire. His arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Daniel's praying. He's seeking the Lord. He's mourning. He's fasting. He's doing all this. And he sees this vision of this one. And that description should sound familiar to you. There's debate over this, but I don't think there's any debate of who Daniel first sees in this vision. If it seems familiar, let me read to you Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 through 15. John, in chapter 1, we know he sees the glorified, resurrected Christ in his beautiful, completed, glorified form. Daniel, I believe, is seeing a pre-incarnate Christ, a Christophany. But look at the description in Revelation 1. Then I turned, John says this, to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Keep note of that, too clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Very similar. What do you think? And like I said, the only difference is John is seeing him in his glorified resurrected form, and Daniel is seeing him in his pre-incarnate. A Christophany at theophany. Fifty times in the Old Testament we see these Christophanies, these theophanies, where the Lord shows up. We saw it with Abraham, we see it with Joshua, we see it with various people. Fifty times in the Old Testament. It's such a powerful thing that the, the second person of the Trinity, the Son, pre-Emmanuel, pre-incarnate, walked with Adam in the cool of the eve he met with Abraham, he did these things, and I believe that's clearly what's going on here. Daniel sees
0: this. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit golgothafellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you.
1: Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m., and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G O L G O T H A G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A-Fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you, and remember to hold fast.